Return to Grace, Chapter 3 Los Risa's sisters are stationed on one of the starboard subdecks of the Benevolent Mercy. The hall's interior is wrought iron, looking a bit like the battered hull of a train. The hall is 300 yards long and ends at a small chapel, a place where the sisters meet for prayer and meditation. The chapel's bronze doors are 10 feet tall with bas relief, names of saints and passages of scripture. Purity seals have been placed along the door's edge and frame. Lining the hall are the sisters' quarters, training rooms, armory, mess hall, and Letha's office. The hall is full of sisters hauling packed crates towards the end of the hall where the drop pods wait opposite the chapel. Lumens, the color of old candles, flash above foot-thick bulkhead doors. Vadria's sisters load their gear onto the drop pods. Weapons, armor, crates of food, supplies. The various things they'll need at the mission. Roughly 100 sisters comprise the Los Risa mission, and they keep to themselves. The only words to be heard are from those sisters with data slates checking the cargo. Only the sisters come to these halls. Vadria went on a walk after her meeting with Letha, and toward the end of the Order's Hall, she spotted a pair of Imperial Guardsmen coming down another passage. The pair was tipsy and laughing, but the moment they saw Vadria, they almost tripped over each other in their effort to return the way they'd come. Vadria notices how the other sisters look at her, if and when they do. They make no sign she's any different than them. She hadn't known what to expect when Sister Letha inducted her into the Los Risa mission. After the orcs were defeated on Palsian, Vadria was escorted to Letha's tent. Sisters were preparing for departure amid the still burning and smoking ruin of the battlefield. The last orc had fallen only a half hour before, and already the sisters were readying for extraction. Vadria's induction to the Los Risa mission had been without ceremony. Letha said that would come later. Having never heard of her new mission, Vadria asked about it. Letha said that many of the sisters of Los Risa had lost their way at some point. Each was on a journey of redemption. What caused their faith to waver differed from one sister to the next, but each had gone through torments of doubt to find the light of the emperor again. It felt good to be among peers. Vadria thought about how it could have been had she gone to another order, one where she was seen as something special. She was well aware of how a sister Repentia could be treated once her sins were atoned for and was welcomed back to an order, like a lost sheep returning to the fold. I'm not special, thinks Vadria, scanning the faces of her sisters. To him, we're all the same. Vadria has nothing of her own besides her robes and sword. She's wearing her robes, and her eviscerator has already been loaded onto a drop pot. May I? asks Vadria, motioning towards one end of the crate. At the other end stands a younger sister, in her late teens or early twenties. Please. The sister nods, and the two haul the box, marked with their mission sign, into the drop pod. Vadria helps the sister with a few more items. Then they sit and wait as the final preparations are made. Vadria. Serena. Says the younger sister. She's small frame and a full head shorter than Vadria. Her face is mousy, and even with the burn scar that covers the entire right side of it, she's pretty. Her right eye, ear, and hair are gone, replaced by a blotch scar, like spilled ink. How long have you been a part of this mission? Serena shakes her head. Before I answer, let's handle this, she says and points to the right side of her face. Vadria's eyes narrow a hint. She gives her head a little shake. Handle what? I have a big scar. 
Maybe you noticed. Hard to miss. Serena grins. The expression pulls the scar into a twisted visage. The smile makes her look crazed. Thank you. For noticing? For not trying to pretend I don't. Mind if I ask how it happened? Serena's face lights up. Even with only half a face capable of showing emotion, it's clear she wants to talk about it. Not at all. Almost no one asks. Vadria almost grins, but can't bring herself to make her lips or eyes finish the look. A smile comes from a place deeper than the face, and that place in Vadria is still dark. There is light starting to work its way back in, but it'll take time for her to feel true joy. Well, it's not all that exciting. I was born on Tulscana, in the cave city of Marint. When I was six, fires swept through my home. I was trying to pull my little brother out of his cradle when something exploded, threw me out, and left me with this. Your brother? Serena looks down at her hands. No, he died. How old are you? Vadria asks, thinking the girl doesn't look much older than sixteen now. I'll be twenty soon. How'd you become a sister of the Adepta Sororites? Before Serena can answer, the low chatter dies away and Letha's voice carries through the hall. Sisters, says Letha. Heads turn to see the Celestian waiting for all to listen. We'll be departing in less than half an hour. This is no ordinary deployment. Years of planning have gone into this moment. The people of Toscana are expecting a small meteor storm that was prophesied almost 50 years back. Our return from Pelsian just so happens to coincide with the date foretold. She smirks. Our drop pods will be the meteors they're expecting. This world is nowhere near as advanced as most of the Imperium. They know nothing of much of what we consider commonplace, but that will change with our arrival. It'll be a process that takes time, but within five years, Tulscana will be another gem in the Imperium's coffers of planets. We'll see the planets dayside as we drop. We'll come from the west and land halfway on the other side from where we're at now. A few minutes after the drop pods launch, Vadria sees Tulscana from orbit. The planet is an orb of various browns. There's not a single splotch of green or blue to be seen. Her insides twist. She'd grown so used to returning to Haldris. She always looked forward to the fresh air, the feeling of the forest floor under her feet, the sound of wind in the trees. It's not so bad, says Serena, her voice a little muffled with the mouth guard. She's seated across from Vadria, the chest harness that holds her in place making her look even smaller. I'm sure it's fine, Vadria says. She's about to ask Serena about how she joined the Sororitas again when the pod hits the upper atmosphere and begins to rumble. Vadria leans back into her seat and closes her eyes. She's ridden a drop pod once before and it terrified her. This time is no different. Running into battle is one thing. You can see the incoming. Even the idea of an unseen shot hitting her was never a concern. Death is expected on the battlefield. It's all around you. Here, in a drop pod, death is hidden behind safety systems. And yet, even with the harness and thick walls and brake thrusters, Vadria can't shake the idea that her final sensation will be slamming into a planet. There are a dozen drop pods, ten carrying sisters, and two larger pods with their gear and supplies. They streak through the sky with burning trails of orange and yellow so bright they look white. Vadria's drop pod rotates and she sees the planet again, now dark. An automated warning sounds informing the sisters of landfall in just under three minutes. Vadria looks at Serena. The younger sister has her one eye closed. A wet line is drawn down her cheek, marking the path of a tear, and there's a smile on her lips. 
Vadria's younger sister, looks as though she's overcome, like someone right after they've just gotten the best news. What's going through her mind? Vadria wonders. Small groups sit around each of the communal fires. The groups swell and shrink as people move between them. The people of Los Risa eat their final meal of the day only after sundown and always in groups. They come together to share food and stories. They talk about the events of the day and plan for the coming one and the week ahead. They dote on babies while children play games. The women mash corn into flour and mix it with water drawn from wells, then roll the paste into thin cakes. The cakes are baked in thick skillets. The men roast game on spits, make great vats of soup, boil beans, or prepare squash. Father Elio Garcian has been watching the sky since before sundown. Tonight is a special night. Tonight, the prophecy comes true. It was written almost a full generation ago that on this night, shooting stars would mark the coming of a new way. The prophecy didn't say what that new way was beyond it would herald unprecedented change and the people of Toscana would be shown things they couldn't imagine. Father Elio is still watching the sky when a youngster brings him a dish of food. Thank you. He ruffles the boy's hair and scoops meat and beans into a thin cake. The drop pod's internal cooling systems kick in as the heat shields ignite. Vadria's head shakes and she bites down on her mouth guard. She closes her eyes and focuses on the screams of battle that still echo in her mind. In violence, she has found peace, but that was on the battlefield. Here, it doesn't work so well. The disconnect is too much. The drop pod's shaking is so violent over the next minute that Vadria wonders if her bones will break. Each second stretches and feels too long. She swallows or tries to as her mouth has gone dry. Sweat runs down her side from under her arms and from her head into the pits of her eyes. She squeezes her eyelids hard, trying to expel the salt water. Then the brake thrusters kick in, and the sisters in the pod grunt at the sudden change in speed. Like being punched by a fist the size of a door, they're thrown into their harnesses. Vadria has a passing thought, wondering how Letha is handling this. Vadria pulls her eyes open. It takes an effort, but she wants to see how Serena is doing. The younger sister still has that grin on her face, a look of total peace and abandonment to the moment like there's nowhere she'd rather be. How much longer? Vadria wonders. Even with the cooling system on full blast, the heat borders on painful. Each breath fills her lungs with air so hot she wishes she could only exhale. She has to remind herself to breathe. Breathe. Keep on breathing. During her first drop pod deployment, she passed out and only awoke when the pod slammed planet side. She tells herself that won't happen this time. She continues to tell herself to breathe. The drop pod's shaking becomes even more violent. Over the cacophony of thrashing metal, the automated voice says, One minute to landfall. Vadria has to consciously force her eyes to remain open to avoid losing consciousness. Father Elio gasps as the night sky is cut by two brilliant lines of fire. The first two are joined by another two. Three, six, seven, nine, ten... He stands to shaking feet. His wide bowl of food slips from his lap and falls to the ground. Look, he says under his breath, pointing a wavering finger. Then the roaring of the meteors fills the sky. Look, Elio shouts, but there's no need. The residents of Los Risa are already watching the sky. Some weep, others fall to their knees and give thanks. Still others hug their neighbor. They all wished for the prophecy to come true, and each would have said they believed it. 
and yet, if you could have looked in the corners of their hearts, you would have found hints of doubt, even in Father Elio, a hint of disbelief, a question, will it truly happen? As the meteors blaze across the sky and past the hills, Father Elio gathers his wits. I need to say something, he thinks. As the meteor's light fades, Father Elio gets to his feet. His voice is shaky and low. He searches for the right words. What do you say when a prophecy comes true? Nothing seems right. Nothing fits. Nothing is grand enough. So, he speaks his mind. Friends, neighbors, family, I don't know what to say. He chuckles. Tears come to his eyes. I didn't know if the prophecy would come to fruition. I believed, but one can never be certain. To have seen it, to be able to say that I was here with you and witnessed the fulfillment of what was foretold so many years ago. He chokes on his words. Overcome with emotion, he stares at the ground and takes a few slow breaths. Once composed, he continues. I look forward to seeing what comes next. We were told the Holy Emperor of Terra would find us. Let us give thanks to he that has. He moves to kneel and motions for Las Risas residents to join him in prayer. The drop pod's air brakes engage and the reverse thrusters hit maximum output. The pods shake with such violence that Vadria bites through her mouth guard. She's certain this is how she dies. The dozen drop pods slam into Toscana, sending plumes of rock and dirt into the air. Twenty miles away, the residents of Los Risa, kneeled in prayer, feel the ground shake. For them, it's a sign of great things to come, the moment when their lives would change forever in ways they could never have foreseen or imagined. For the sisters aboard the drop pods, it's just another day. Okay, thanks for listening to that. Uh, and as I'm recording this, the furnace kicks on. Great timing. That's something I've had to deal with. And next week will be the final installment. I figured out a way to wrap this up after four chapters, so that's what I'm going to do. Tune in next week for that one. Thanks.